welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. All right. Good morning, Epiphany family and Epiphany Fellowship extended family. We are grateful and thankful that you have decided to be with us today. It's always an awesome opportunity. I know that we are still in a pandemic and we are working through a lot of things. And of course, we're trying to uh, get back in the swing of things. Hopefully soon, little by little, uh, we're working on a plan. We'll be having a big Easter shindig. And don't forget that um, uh, on Good Friday, we will be having an amazing, amazing a Good Friday service that we will be streaming. And so it's a lot going on uh, right now as I am even here recording our, um, our boxing league is going on right now and seeing some great things going on with that. Also, I want to give you a quick update. I want you to be in prayer. Um, the city came back to us talking about the building just yesterday um, while we were celebrating. Again, thank everyone that celebrated and send well wishes and gifts and things for my um, 27th anniversary in ministry. Thank you for that. Um, while we were uh, finishing up celebration, <laughs> they jumped in. So uh, well, I got a call from our realtor and the city um, is well, the, uh, the group that's selling us, the, looking to sell us the building, um, has given us a short point. We've given them a short kind of uh, way in which we want to go about. They gave two options. They wanted to... Um, wanted us to try to work overtime, which would have put us in a little bit of risk of not being able to expedite getting the facility. Um, and it's a risk and that we can just buy the building and have a 45 day turnaround. So in the sense of, you know, us being able to do our due diligence and all those different things. So I just wanted to give you a quick update. Be praying because we're supposed to hear soon. So they said soon. So If I hear something, (laughs) you all will hear something, but we need you to keep this lifted up in prayer because a lot is going on in our city. I don't know if you know, but during the pandemic, there's been a lot of changes that's been happening in our community, in our neighborhood, a lot of building going on, a lot of developers buying up property. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to not get landlocked with mission. And um, of course, we would maximize this facility for whatever it's worth, but we're still going to maximize it because we're keeping this joint right here. All right. So by by the grace of God, we're going to keep this, pay this mug off and have another one, pay that off and build all of that up and develop more land for opportunity, not to floss or try to be big wigs, but really try to do what God has called us to do in relation to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and practicing the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community and beyond. Well, all right. Well, let's, uh, we are still in our series. Thank you all. First off, I want to say, as I'm digging in, thank you all for the encouraging words um, about my 27th anniversary. Also, the encouragement for how, and just keep those stories coming. I'm hearing unbelieving family members are tuning in and non-Christian, well, I want to say not believing, but non-Christian family members. We appreciate anyone, all of you out there that you know, you haven't been to church in years. There's no judgment here. So we're glad that even though you haven't walked through a door, you were able to look at the screen. And so you're always welcome here. Hopefully something continues to touch you. And hopefully um, God, you and God can inaugurate some great stuff together as he invades your life in beautiful ways. 
as we're experiencing him in those ways in our life. Well, we're still in our series on strongholds, strongholds. I've been writing up some more, so we got like, I don't know how long this series is going to be, you know, but um, I have some more that we've written up, so I'm excited. Um, let's dig in. Turn with me to Hebrews, Hebrews, the uh, 12th chapter, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and we will be reading from Hebrews 12, 14, verses 14 to about the 17th verse. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the verses compact. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. Let's read it. It says, pursue peace with everyone and holiness without it. No one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the glory of the grace of God. I want to say glory of God so bad. And that no root of bitterness brings up causing trouble and defiling many make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal for you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for Repentance. I would like to talk about in our time today in this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 14 through 17. I'd like to talk about overcoming strong, the stronghold of bitterness and unforgiveness. Overcoming the stronghold of bitterness and unforgiveness. How many of you know that bitterness and unforgiveness is a hardcore stronghold? How many of you know that? Yes, yes, I know you know that. In the living room, why don't you raise your hand and say, it's a bad thing. Well, here in, um, our let's, let's, let's go in prayer and then we'll dig right in. Father, uh, this is a deep one. Um, I don't know a family that I've ever met that didn't have this one. And I don't know many of us as individuals that didn't have a singe of it in our sphere lord most high will you do deep work this is going to take deep work it's going to be a little rough but good rough because many of us if we can get free from this there's so many promises that we can experience of yours there's so many opportunities that we would see open up so many relationships re-engaged reborn rebirth restored and reconciled and so god that's what we're trusting you for and i know this is all in all kinds of families and bones and so god help closets to fly open and make your divine shovel make its way into the ditches of our mess and dig us out like you love to do in jesus name amen 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 overcoming the stronghold of bitterness and unforgiveness. I have a family member um, who was, they passed, but they were 90 years old when they passed, 90 something, early 90s. And all their life, something followed them that they couldn't shake. And the thing that followed them that they couldn't shake was the fact that their dad left at a very, very young age. And as a matter of fact, their dad leaving at an extremely young age had such an effect on them um, that it affected every single relationship and every single decision that they made. 
I mean, it, it, it literally sent them in a frenzy and the unearth work of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness became a miry stew for them. And as it became a miry stew for them, it began to invade their finances. It began to invade their relationships. It began to invade this, their, 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 their mind, their heart, their soul, their spirit, their emotional stability, their psychological stability, uh, their marital stability, their parenting stability. I mean, trauma to their kids, trauma to their wife, uh, um, burnt bridges all over the place, anger, alcoholism, and a litany of different types of health issues that followed them to their grave. And every time you would talk to them, they would end up saying, man, if my father didn't leave me, I'd tell you. And they talk about it just as fresh. That's how you know you you bitter and unforgiving. You talk about something long. I'm talking about long time ago. We're talking about 80 years ago. And you talk about it like it's a, a fresh wound. That's, that's how you know you're dealing with something. Uh, um, and many of us in our lives are dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in our lives. And I'm here today to confront you about it. God is here to confront you about it. He's saying to you today that you've stewed long enough. You've been where you are long enough. You've messed up enough of your life long enough. You've burnt enough relationships long enough. You've been emotionally distraught long enough. You played the blame game long enough. It is time for you to open your life up to the surgeon himself to get ready to do something that's going to change your life and that's going to do a miracle in where you thought you were, things that you thought was holding you back. It wasn't the things on the outside of you that was holding you back. It was some stuff on the inside of you that was messing you up and holding you back, but it was that stuff on the inside that was being destructive to the things on the outside and caused mess on the outside that reverbed itself like an echoplex from back in the day on the inside of your soul. And so I'm encouraging you. Many, they're, they're those of you under the sound of my voice, though, you don't know you're bitter and toxic. I'm going to talk about all that and how you find out that you are. It's because there, there's many of you under the sound of my voice, you don't know that people don't really like being around you. Matter of fact, you don't know that people actually tolerate you either because they need something from you or they feel sorry for you or the grace of God is just enough on them where they don't want to give up on you because they know where they come from and what they've been through and God's just loving you through them. But some of y'all are hard to be around. Some of y'all are frustration to be around. Matter of fact, some of y'all, the conversation always makes its turn towards the toxicity of what you went through and what you experienced or we feel the faintness of it in every single conversation and experience because some of y'all just messy and I know the living room y'all ain't gonna say amen but you can say ouch but I'm not here to beat you up I'm here for us to get a gospel diagnosis as we get this gospel diagnosis if you will then we'll go from there and begin to do deep work so again we're talking about overcoming the stronghold of bitterness and unforgiveness and toxicity right so Let's, let's, I, I, I wanted all of those ands in there, bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. and to, I wanted it all in there, right? Because I want you to hear all the words that we need to deal with in this. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold, again, is a mindset. They got it there on the screen. It's a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. Remember that. I want you to memorize that. It's a mindset, 
value system or thought process that hinders your growth. By the time this series is over, I want you to have that John memorized, okay? But what is a what is a stronghold of bitterness and resentment? How do we define that? I define it as it's a mindset that holds strong resentment for people they feel have wronged them or situations that they feel like that they've been wronged in. It becomes a mindset of resentment. It, the center of bitterness, and anger, and unforgiveness is resentment. It's, it's resentment. It's a mindset of, I resent you. I, 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 I. In other words, I, I'm not engaging. I just feel like I have the right to hold what I went through hostage to me not growing from it, but me being eternally mad at it. Y'all not going to hear me today. Y'all not going to hear me. We're going to do deep work today. But how do you know? And let me tell you what. Let me give you a list of things as we get in the text of what bitter and resentment, resent, resentful and unforgiving people. We're going to define. Y'all know we got to define all this stuff. Defining all these terms. But bitter, bitter and unforgiving people tend to be number one abusive emotionally they tend to abuse the people around them emotionally because they don't correctly know how to be patient with people because their bitterness sears their conscience in a way where they want they they don't have time to deal with people because everything around them reminds them of the wound that they know or don't know that they have so what they end up doing is they begin being emotionally abusive and some of you who have been emotionally abused, you're emotionally abused from a person that's bitter because that person experienced something in their life and because they never done the deep work in the Bible and in the Holy Ghost and in Jesus to deal with it, they put it on you. Now you resent them and then it becomes a generational thing and then you become emotionally abusive to the people around you and then it goes on and on. The cycle has to stop. The cycle has to stop. It's got to stop with you, family, you. And some of you are being emotionally abused right now. Not only are bitter and unforgiving people emotionally abusive, they can be sexually abusive. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, I usually talk to the abusee, but rarely does the abuser get talked to. Some of you who are bitter and numb from your sin, you've raped people. You've raped somebody. Somebody in the sound of my voice, you're a molester right now. You molested somebody this week. This is, I told you we're going deep. Some of you have even in this place been raped and molested. And you hold a deep resentment and it's evading in all your life. Spiritually abusive. Most leaders who are spiritually abusive are resentful and they use the spiritual abuse of control as a way to orbit their bitterness and resentment because they don't want to get hurt again and so they don't get close to anybody they create a controlling lawful atmosphere and all of this overarching high level now we should have honor and respect for leaders but then there's toxic honor <laughs> there's every time somebody get up they gotta say your name and everything and if you don't get acknowledged in something, you're, you're flaming. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be honor, but there's some, you just control everything. Some of you leaders, under the sound of my voice, you're an abusive leader. You want to control people because people are a means 
for you to live out your resentment in people's lives by controlling them so that, the, that, 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 that instead of dealing with your actual resentment, you begin to build them as a shelter for you to live out your greatest regrets through not uh, functioning fully and dealing with your regrets, but recreating regrets for other people. <laughs> Physical abuse. I kind of dealt with that already. Not only that, having bitterness because of the consequences of sin. That's what we're going to talk about in this text. So I don't have any points today. We're just going to walk. I have a point, but I don't have points. <laughs> um, it says pursue. He starts it off. He says pursue peace with everyone and holiness without it. No one will see the Lord. This is powerful. The book of Hebrews is a fantastic book. There is no known author, but of course, the early church, uh, many people suspected that it was Paul, but this one is anonymous. You know, if it was Paul, it might be because of the resentment of the Hebrews <laughs> towards him as a person preaching um, that Christ fulfilled the law. I don't know. But what's important is Hebrews is about the fact that Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Aaron. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the uh, 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 the Levitical priesthood. He's greater than everything. And in calling him a, 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 a preeminent and transcendent and greater than everything, it gives eminence to him because it shows the touchability of Jesus that he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Uh, uh, not only that, he suffered. He perfected through the things that he he suffered all of those things. He's was tempted in all ways like us yet without sin. So we, we go through it all. And as the writer goes through the book, one of the things that he's trying to get them to do is mature. <laughs> he's like, dude, mature. He's trying to get God's people to embrace the need to mature. That's one of the that's one of the hardships for us in our life. Some of you are afraid of growing up and some of you are afraid to deal with stuff because it's going to make you more responsible. See, see, growing makes you responsible. And responsibility makes you have to continue to grow. And continuing to grow, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So we come here to this part of the passage. He's closing out the book. He's gone through the hall of faith. Now he's talking about people's faith in the past from Enoch to Abraham to David to Samson to Jephthah to so many di different people in the Bible to Rahab and so many others. And then he comes here and he begins to challenge us to ask, how are you living your life in a way that creates memorable faith, memorable faithfulness? And then he gives a hamstring for faithfulness, bitterness. Bitterness will hamstring your race. That's why right, bef right, uh, uh, right before this, he says, running the race with endurance, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Why would he put bitterness in here in the passage? Brilliant, because he knows that resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness, and anger will impact your flow in walking with Jesus. Listen, the Christian life isn't boxing where you can use your anger to throw a hard punch. The Christian life's a marathon. 
You got to pace your legs. You got to pace your soul. And if you got bitterness in the leg area, it would be amino acids that make you fumble the baton or even your muscles locked up. We want to unlock your muscles today with some spiritual potassium for you. Some of y'all got that. Let's go. Pursue peace. Command. It's a, com a flat command. It's a flat command. Titch your man's rights here. This It's a command. It's a present active imperative. Um, in saying that it's an imperative, meaning that, that it's, it's not, it, it, for every man and woman under the sound of my voice, your life is supposed to be marked by peace. What do I mean? Peace. I'm not just talking about feeling peace because all that we want to do is feel peace, but we can't just feel peace. We got to, we got to execute peace. And like marriage is work, peace is work. Preach pastor. Peace is work family because everything in this world is not peaceful. Because it's not peaceful, you as a believer have to be a world shaper. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, a pursuit, the idea of pursue here means to make haste with it. But when we talk about peace, we're talking about you got to pursue harmonious relationships and freedom that, 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 that helps remove the opportunity for health to happen. See, peace, peace means bringing health where you go. Here is not just the shalom of restoring creation here is talking about relationships in this context this is very relational here because they have peace with everyone, not everything, everyone. And, and, and I know he, uh, uh, Roman says, as far as it depends on you, right? So you should be trying because you, you know, some of us, you know how when you resentful, if they ain't trying, I ain't trying. If they don't like me, I don't like them. You know, if they don't speak to me, I ain't speaking to them. Well, you should speak, baby. No, nah, I ain't speaking. You know how we do. We can be real petty, petty ministries. Hashtag, you know, we can be like that, right? And so when we talk about having peace with everyone, um, that means you have to always fight to live on the higher gospel ground. Meaning that <laughs> there are people that deserve a good cuss out. There are some people that deserves some good old alley earthly language. There's some people that deserve a slap, punch in the face. But the gospel doesn't let us do that. The gospel calls us to say, how can I say a kind word that turns away wrath? See, that's hard when you're petty. See, all, most of us is petty machete, right? But, 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 but it takes maturity and Holy Ghost to not want to fry the person that you really hate with everything in you. Your skin crawls, the hairs come up on your body. You know, some of y'all lose hair in the presence of some people you hate. It's just, I'm just telling you. But those are the ways in which the, 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 that's which the signs of resentment and bitterness find out its way. But the Bible says, be at peace with everyone. So that means we should be trying to be at peace with people that don't like us. I don't like that. I don't. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like it that I have to try to be at peace with somebody that doesn't want to be at peace with me. Now, that doesn't mean walking around letting people punch you in the face. That's not what I'm saying. But the Bible is going to give us some good things. And guess what the Bible calls this? It's the it's the biblical curse word that we think is a curse word, but it's a blessed word. 
Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Jesus. Holiness. Won't hear that no more. All we hear nowadays is nobody's perfect. So we use that as a license to act a fool. And to hurt people. But holiness, he says, without it, no one will see God. Now, I know the church. Now, now, don't get mad at me, Pentecostal Church of God and Christ people. Many of you have used this verse as a way to talk about your own extrinsic holiness in your lifestyle that gives you the ability to see God. That is the exact opposite of this verse. This verse says when it says pursue peace with everyone, this is very important when it comes to bitterness, peace with everyone and holiness, pursuing holiness without which no one will see God. The Bible teach, uh, teaches us to be holy as he is holy because God has, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been what's called imputed or injected with holiness at salvation. Although you are not as practically holy as you'd like to be positionally, you're fully holy, but you have the power through spiritual growth as a mechanism for growing you in greater stages of the holiness that Jesus Christ injected in you. Talk to me, y'all. So guess what? When you're bitter, it infringes upon the holiness stages that God wants to grow you in. Are y'all hearing me here? I hope y'all are hearing me here. And so he says, he says, without holiness, no one will see God. He's not saying if you become, if you're bitter, you won't see God. He's saying your, your identity is holiness as a believer. He says, and if someone isn't holy by identity, they won't see God. So really all he's saying is what I want you to do is I want you to live in light of the holiness in Christ that you've been imputed with. That's what the whole book was about. It was about you can't, that Christ is greater than everything and because you have him, you don't have to come short of the grace of God, which we'll talk about in a second. He says, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. What does it mean to fall short of the grace of God? When the context is going to talk about Esau, but in the context also before this, it talks about discipline. What type of discipline? Spiritual discipline. In other words, in my community, we call it whoopings. All right. So God gives whoopings to people when his people, when they act a fool. When they don't live in light of what he wants them to do and they get into something. So he loves us enough to give us a whooping. Now, what happens, though, sometimes is when you get a spanking from the Lord, you don't learn from the discipline. And when you don't learn from the discipline and you stay under the discipline of the Lord for extended periods of time, you become resentful and bitter towards God in the situation. So he says you fall short of the grace of God first off that way. Not only that, another one is not growing from being restored from sinful consequences. Some of y'all ain't, most of us ain't get everything we deserve from the mess we done caused. But many of us don't realize that many times us, it's like the person that keeps going to prison. You know, I, you know the, the, the person right now, the, just the Uber person that, you know, uh, took the Uber driver and, you know, was saying uh, you know, uh, coronavirus in his face and acting crazy. And they go into her history and she like has a, this is like not the first driver that she's done. She's been bailed out on $75,000 bond. I mean, uh, DUI, all different types of things that's happened. And what's almost like it almost her getting off has almost emboldened her to continue to do it. Like we that's that's not what the grace of God 
is, is, is a motivation for you to, to not continue. But the grace of God, this is what, you're about, this is what your life's supposed to be like. Listen to me. It's like going to court. This is the grace of God. And you hearing all the charges that's against you. 20 years in prison. In a federal prison, a flat time. Without parole and you're going into general pop with everybody. Hearing them charges will scare the daylights out of you. I know it would me. But then feeling the weight and he says... In the, in the case of da 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 with the defendant, da 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 we find the defendant and you sitting there like Snoop Dogg with his fingers like this when he's about to get that murder case. And they say, not guilty. And you are so happy you just break down crying. That's the response to God's discipline. God's discipline is God's way of telling you, I could have done worse to you, but I'm giving you a singe I'm giving you a nudge, a spanking to let you know I didn't let this be bad as it could be, but I want you to learn from it. But the immature person that doesn't want to mature uh, uh, continues to do the thing because they see the grace of God versus a, a, a see it as a license. They see it as a license to act a fool. Not only that, taking God's discipline is hate. That's a big one. Taking God's discipline is hate. Many of us. Don't understand that the grace of God is not hate. That's out of love. God said he disciplined those who we love. My dad used to say in the house, I used to be like, dad, and down at their house, they don't do that. He said, well, you don't live in their house. Because you live in this house, I'm responsible for you. And that's what God says he's responsible for, covenantally responsible for his children. Another way um, that we can fall short of the grace of God is causing constant relational disturbances flowing from our bitterness. Causing constant relational disturbances because of our bitterness. That's what a bitter person does is cause those consequences. Now let's look at this. He says, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. What is bitterness? So let's start off with root. Because I was going to just skip past it and talk about bitterness. But why? I was like, why? He said, he said, he said that, 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 see to it that no root sourced in bitterness sprouts up and defiles many, right? Why would he say root? Very important. Every word matters in the Bible. <laughs> root is any entity that produces an effect or is responsible for events and results. Also, the play on words here is on a root system of plants and trees. See, if you understand how roots work, roots can be a blessing and roots can be damaging. <laughs> Hear me. Roots can be, can, can literally pervade and help because the purpose of roots is to help uh, get, get into, dig, it digs into the soil and it's supposed to absorb water and nutrients, see? And, and, and as it absorbs those nutrients and that water, it transports those good nutrients into the system of the tree in order, listen, that the tree can grow. But the thing about it is, is that if roots 
grab the wrong nutrients, they can become sick. (laughs) If they're not absorbing water, they can dry out. But also, guess what roots can do? Because there are bad, there are are good roots, but sometimes roots do bad things. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever seen, you walking down the street, I mean, we're in the city. You'll walk down the street and see somebody planted a tree, and at one point it was small, but the sidewalk gets to busting up and coming apart. So you see, the root of bitterness, what it does is its root systems destroy stuff around it, and it begins to grow and defile the environment that it's in. That's what the root of bitterness is. So what is bitterness? Bitterness is fermented anger. Bitterness. I mean, uh, uh, fermented anger. Unforgiveness and resentment. That's sad. When you decide not to forgive someone, you know when you do, it automatically starts. For, it has, uh, uh, th- listen, unforgiveness has an immediate expiration date. What do I mean by that? You ever looked in your refrigerator and you had something in there for a long time? And you realize that you had it in there for a long time and you take the top off. You ever took the top off some jelly and that white stuff and greenish blue stuff growing on top of it? Have you ever smelled some moldy bread? Ooh, the Lord have mercy. It's some things. You ever seen some cheese? See, if you, the cheese, when it just starts, you'd be like, I can pull the green off of it. But something about it. Just still like, I, I just can't after pulling the green off. I don't know if there's some internal green in the part that's not green yet, right? Um, bitterness is fermentation. Undigestible things that makes things sick. Whoever digests bitterness gets sick from it. That, that's what happens. So what happens in a bitter person It says it sprouts up. So not only does it develop roots, but it develops fruit. Sprouts out of the ground. It springs up. And what it does in its root system, the sense of the text is, is it's constantly being nourished off of poison. And there are these things, you grew up in the hood, just wow, just stuff just grows out in the hood. I don't know if y'all know that. This stuff just grows. You're like, what kind of plant is that? It was this bush that grew up in the hood and it had these little red, little orange looking things on it. I don't know what them things are to this day, but you eat one of them things and you sick. I mean, talking about sick. And see something, but but when you look at it, you're like, it's beautiful. Look at the greenery all around it. You could take a nice little picture, blah, but that thing will make you sick. Listen, bitterness is making you sick. Guess what? It's making everyone around you sick. Everyone around you. Everyone around you. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you don't want to be the person that when you die and you're the bitter person and you die bitter, that people got to figure out what to say at your funeral. Um, yeah, um, I rem- um, d- um, don't know what to say about you because you're just miserable to be around. And God doesn't want you in that place to be miserable, to be around. It's interesting that this point here about bitterness, and I'm going to break this down a little more. This point about bitterness points back to Deuteronomy 29, 18. It says, I'm going to read from the KJV. It says, lest there be any among you man or woman or family or tribe 
whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve other gods of the nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And if you know anything about uh, a gall and wormwood, it is bitter, bitter, bitter. So we talk about this idea of bitterness. This idea of bitterness is a very, very important thing that you got to deal with. And you got to begin to deal with in your life. Why am I so resentful all the time? Why am I so toxic to be around? Some of you have even been told that you're toxic. And you, 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 but then you break up the relationship with the person because you feel like when they, when there's an expiration date on how much people are going to hear you complain. Like you, you can't talk about that particular situation that happened forever. We don't want to hear it no more. See, what happens is, is when you become that bitter person that constantly, constantly brings up that same thing over and over and over again, that experience, or we know really where that comes from. And one of the things that's crazy that bitter people do and resentful people do, particularly if you just met them or you've been around them for a while, they'll, they'll accuse you of stuff you didn't do. I know I'm preaching. They'll accuse you of stuff you didn't do. And you or you may have done something that was a light offense, but you feel like Thor held Mjolnir up in the air and just dropped lightning on you. Right. And you and you get electrocuted by the lightning rod of their bitterness from somebody else that you're now the target for. See, bitterness it's so bitter and you won't even know why you're that angry. And then people around you are like, dang, was it was what I did that bad? Where did all of that come from? And then you'll be holding people accountable for a level of relationship or something that you didn't get in your family or something you didn't get in relationships or something you didn't get from your mama or something you didn't get from your dad. And then you hold someone in your life accountable of it. And when they don't give you what you want because you want them to solve the past that you won't deal with, then guess what you begin to do? You begin to lash out venom and poison at them and lies and slander and gossip and, 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 and you begin to destroy the people around you because you're not man enough and you're not woman enough to go to God with what in the world is you're dealing with and say God why am I so angry? God why am I such a hurtful person to be around? Why am I so venomous? It's because you need to deal with your stuff and stop destroying every good thing. Some of you have destroyed every good thing that come in your life and God is God is like you're like asking God for more stuff God says I'm not sending one more good person to you until you deal with your stuff because I'm not sending anyone else in your life for you to run through them like crazy with your crazy self I'm not doing it see a lot of people that you see this bitter is people that's made bad decisions at a younger age have to live with those consequences for the rest of their life instead of even growing from them. Look, bro, you got three baby moms. All right. All right. Are you going to be bitter because you're paying the child support and you got issues with some of them? Or are you going to ask the Lord, are you going to turn and become an actual functional Christian in how you deal with what you did? Like God doesn't owe you for you not to pay child support. God doesn't owe you for you not to have baby mama drama. Family. 
And sometimes it's not baby mama drama. It's you being a jerk. Maybe. Maybe it's both. Right? But what I'm saying to you is something you can make mistakes. Not, I'm not encouraging you to. But when in making mistakes, you don't let those sins and mistakes. Like you got to mature. You got to say, God, I know I messed up. God, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm, I'm in over my head in how bad my sin has affected my life. God, can you, will you, will you just, will you help me to know what to do? And I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen God either do two things or three. I've seen God in those situations begin to work in ways that help relieve the stress of the sin that you committed and its effects. And I've also seen God mature people up to deal with the effects of owning the fact that it was a mess, but also owning the fact, the fact that God's grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient. It's grace. It's favor. Because, your past, because you had a hurtful past or something happened to you, God ain't done with you. That's the issue. He's not. That's why he's disciplining you. That, that's exactly why. It's like a divorcee having a bad experience in marriage. And then you, you want to defile people by giving horrid advice to everybody. Well, the first year of marriage, if I hear somebody say that one more time, the first year, the first year of marriage is going to be the worst year of your life. Man, don't give that to nobody. That was your marriage. Like we got, See, bitter people always make their experience your experience. <laughs> Stop doing that. Um, some of y'all get to point, all men are bad. I don't care. All of them are bad. All of them are dogs. Right? All churches are bad. Every church, and all the preachers sleep with, he, in the, he get the offering. See, look at them. And, and, and ain't nothing going on. You're in a healthy place and you still, that's, that's what bitter people do, right? But how do, we, how, do we, how do we deal with this? How do we begin to deal with this? I want to talk to you real quick in applying this. First, how do you navigate toxic, toxic people? Somebody got their pen and paper out already. How do you navigate toxic people? Confront them. <laughs> Look at David and Saul. He jammed Saul up. He confronted them. You got to confront them and tell them. You, like you may, you, some of you may have, if you've been in a relationship with somebody long enough, you know what happened to them that caused them to be bitter. And you need to begin to tell, listen, let's go out for some coffee. Let's put our mask on and go outside. We're going to put our mask on. We're going to go to La Colombe and sit outside on Starbucks or wherever. Uncle Bobby's. We're going to go to Uncle Bobby's. Sit on the bench outside on Germantown Avenue. And guess what? We're going we're gonna to talk about it. We're going to buy a book. You're going to buy a book. We're going to support black businesses and we're going to talk. We're going to sit down right here. And listen, let me just tell you, I love you. I love you. But you're making it hard to have a relationship with you. Because you, you just refuse, you just refuse, you need therapy, you need a church, you need small groups, you need DNA, and you need medicine. All of it. All of it. You need all of it. That's what you need. I, I'm serious. Some people, you need to tell them that they need every help that God has from the four winds of the kingdom. And you and, and, and listen, if they lash out at you, you did your job. <laughs> Mediation. Some people so bitter, you got to get somebody in between that. Because, you know, we got some violent, bitter people. You know, they Christian, but they 
they get some Vaseline and take off the earrings or dude, you know, stand up, sag his pants, get ready, right? So you may need a mediator, right? In relationship with bitter people, some of the ways you navigate them is point them to optimism or evidences of God's grace. That's how you convince. See, that's how you, that's how when I know I'm being a little toxic, I can, I can be a little toxic at times, you know, and I start focusing on the negative and somebody would say something that God was doing today in my life. Isn't it nice that God, and you'd be like convicted, like, oh, they just, they just going to do that little soft rebuke thing on me, right? See, a little healthy person, they know when you're rebuking them softly, when you ain't come right out and say, look, what, all this good God doing and you focus on that. Some of us roll, some of y'all, y'all like that, right? That's how we do. Um, not only that, call them, call, call them about getting help. I already talked about that. Check to see where their toxicity has affected you. So I've had toxic people affect me. Take breaks from them. Some people you love, you don't have to see them all the time. Y'all should, y'all should have been shouting right there. There's some people that because they won't deal with this stuff and you love them, like there's some family members, I only can take them in doses. All right. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me. Um, commend them to God when they refuse to change. Some people usually got to say, in the nome de de Padre, de Ramano, de Espiritu Santo, I commend you to the Holy Ghost. You're gone. I got to let you go. I'll see you in the kingdom. Some people, you got, I'm like, I'm trying to help you today. Be open and prayerful about their change. Still, though, because you don't want to just give up on them, right? How do you know if you are bitter personally? Ask the people around you. That's just one application. Am I bitter? Yes, yes, yes. I've been waiting for you to ask the question. That's what they're going to say. That's what they're going to say. They're going to be like, hallelujah. They're going to be happy that you finally admitted at least came and thought that there may be some bitterness. That's a blessing, though. Look, it says, and make sure that there isn't an immoral or irrelevant person, verse 16, irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a meal. He uses uh, Esau's disposition. And if you look in Genesis 27, 50, 41, it says Esau held a grudge against Jacob. This is when he lost the blessing. He lost it because he sold it, right? For a bowl of stew. Jacob, because of the blessing his father had given him and Esau determined in his heart, the days of mourning for, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother. He held a grudge. Look at verse 17. I'm landing. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit a blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find an opportunity for repentance. That's not what we want this story to end like. That's like, dang, that's depressing. But how do we apply that? The beauty of the cross is there's nothing. There's nothing that the cross can't hold. You, you, you got to understand that. That Jesus Christ stayed on the cross long enough to deal with all of what we were going to deal with. <laughs> That's why he stayed on there so long and kept pulling himself up to breathe. Because he said it's not finished yet. 
When he was on the cross, he said, you were going to be bitter. Let me stay on here a little longer. You were going to be resentful. I got to stay on here a little longer. This person is going to get raped. They're going to get angry because of it. And their life, let me stay on here. I got to die for all of your bitterness. I died for all your resentment. I died for all your toxicity. I died for all your hatred. I died. And not only did I die, I put it in a grave. And then on the third day, I got up with all power in my hand and I'm giving you the keys to unlocking your bitterness. That's what I'm doing. And so how do you overcome it practically? A couple things and I'm done. Seek resolution in light of the source of pain. Like get help knowing where does this come from? And some of you may never get over something that happened to you, but you can have tools in your life to help you manage them. <laughs> you, you need tools to manage it. Like, oh, that's triggering this. Da, 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 da. Whatever your biblical and practical action plan is, right? You, you need tools, right? You need tools. Not only that, hear yourself. Hear, what, hear how you talk. I, 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 I've, I've had to... Um, I apologize to my family for when I'm dealing with something and I become a little fermented and I just began acting, hollering at everybody in the house, being resentful and being real. And I said, I said, dang, do I hear myself? I said, man, if they played this recording on Sunday morning, woo, they wouldn't want to sit under me. <laughs> so guess what I have to do? I got to go to all them people, sit them down. I was tripping. I'm so sorry. This is why this had nothing to do with you. Do you know how many people would get free? (laughs) If you said what what happened between me and you had nothing to do with you. It was me and what I was dealing with and I put it on you. Forgive me. They'll break down crying right in front of your face. Guard your heart. (laughs) You know what's in it. You know when you got some petty bitterness. You, you, know, you know when you're being petty. Some of y'all know on the internet when y'all being petty. You know when you're being petty, when you're trolling. The Bible says, God over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. Most people quote that verse thinking it's about protecting your heart from what's outside. No, it's about protecting the outside from what's in your heart. <laughs> all right? Guard your lips. Bible says in James 3, if a person can control their tongue, they can control everything. Everything. Some of y'all, you got to be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. (laughs) And lastly, and I'm done, preach the gospel to yourself. How do you preach the gospel to yourself? You have to gospel yourself. Um, Today I had, I went, I, I was going off because some people were attacking me today. And, um, and I was going, I was, I, I called my friend to just vent. And I, that's why you need gospel friends. <laughs> and he said, he listened to me. He listened to my rant. And then he began doing stuff like this. Eric, I say, what? <laughs> Didn't you, don't you, like, we've, how many books have you written? I told him. He's being cynical. He said, before every book comes out, what happens? 
an attack comes. So what is that called, Eric? Spiritual warfare. So should your response be the one you just gave me or should it be a battle response? You need friends like that. <laughs> you need some friends like that that's going to gospel you and tell you to plow all that stuff you be talking about. That's what you need or stuff you don't know. I love y'all and, um, and I'm closing, I'm done. One of, one of the greatest challenges that I deal with in shepherding people is not sexual sin, not finances. It's bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment. The, like everything, even if someone's going sexually crazy, it's a root of bitterness, resentment, toxicity. That's, I mean, I'm talking about marriage, same thing. Singleness, same thing. The marriage person resenting who they marry. The single person resenting that they're single. Just, I could just name, just all, it just all goes back to that. Do some work. Let's get to work. You got all the application. Go back through these notes. Let's get it. Love y'all. Father, thank you for this time. I pray for your people that you'd give them strength to know their need for you. They need to be transformed by the gospel in Jesus' name. This is a real good time to take communion. A real good time. Like, if you don't need communion today, I don't know when you need communion. <laughs> communion is the day to let you know that um, it's the mighty equalizer. It's the thing that reminds you and I that our grounding and reality in life and identity is nowhere but in Jesus. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread he gave it to his disciples and said this is my body which is given for you let us eat together after the passover meal and the bitter herbs bitter herbs <laughs> he ate bitter herbs because mm. he was going to drink a bitter cup he's going to drink bitterness for us Guess what he washed down bitterness with? This is my blood. <laughs> the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is given for the remission of sins. Wash away your bitterness with Christ's blood. Now unto him who was able to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care. Much love. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.